Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is the World Cup. On caught offside. Ronaldo! Oh, it's come off guard! Ronaldo! Brazil in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! And it's a concert! And Germany are the champions of the world. It's Mbappé! Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and JJ. Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, a podcast we've been waiting eight and a half years to do a World Cup special. Andrew Gunling, JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? Hey, man, how are you? It's been, uh, it's been a while since we did something like this. I mean, that's, that's why I kind of started this the way that I did, because if nothing else, we're going to talk all about the game, the result. What was good, what was bad, what we're uncertain about, all of it. Um, but I started the way that I did just because, like, if nothing else, I think about the last eight and a half years and the number of emergency pods we've done after friendlies or B-Squad Gold Cups or C-Squad Nations League matches, qualification, all of those emergency pods. And it's all been leading up to finally be able to get to do one of these again. Uh, a um, actual World Cup post-game emergency pod. So for whatever, the result and all that is something else. But in terms of just like this, uh, it, uh, it does feel nice to be doing one of these after a game of this kind of importance. It's uh, I would have liked it to be a different result today, but this in itself is fun just to be here recapping it. So I'll think, start like that. That's the ultimate positive that I can begin with. Do you think there's two podcasters, uh, one just outside Amsterdam, and another in an apartment in Amsterdam who after today are doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, got offside from the outer part of Amsterdam. And from inside Amsterdam, it's... What, what would they be? They'd be Hans... And Steve McLaren. And Steve McLaren. <laughs> yes, this is going well in my brain. Yeah. And by the um, way, I'm sure that there's two... Uh... 
92-year-old Welshman doing the same thing from, uh, what was it, 68 years ago or 64 years ago, the last time they were able to do a, a Welsh emergency pod following a World Cup match. Uh, we're we're going to have a mailbag, Andrew. We're going to hmm. have uh, also a little bit of chat about the other games that were played today. So this is a pretty packed podcast. And I should also say that this is a dangerous one because – for the life of me, JJ, I can't remember the last time we did a podcast without any semblance of a rundown. But I took meticulous notes. All, this is this is all off the cuff tonight. What's well, the stream of consciousness part? And it, it, I feel like the things that happened, the way we feel, the reaction we've got, it's all important to let that to let that flow. Um, and yeah, we've made our name on these kind of podcasts, so. I'm not concerned. I'm not, I'm not as scared. So where to begin for me? I think we, I think there's no sense in dancing around it. I think that every American fan that watched this match tonight or earlier today, uh, I, I think we're all kind of of the same feeling right now. Like there's this, there's been a little bit of this like push and pull as to how we're supposed to feel after a match like that, where, like okay, let's let's think about the U.S. young team, no one other than DeAndre Edlin with real World Cup experience. Meanwhile, this Welsh team, you know, semifinals of the 2016 Euros, got out of the group stage of the most recent Euros last summer, or two, a summer and a half ago, whatever it was now. Um, and yet, like, I can't hide the way that I feel about this game. I, I'm not going to force myself to feel any kind of other way than my true feeling on this, which the final whistle blew and it was disappointment for me. I can't, I can't fake that. I understand the arguments for why this is okay. You know, I, I, I saw, I'll pull up a tweet here from Matt Doyle, whose opinions I, I genuinely really respect on MLS, on us soccer. And he was kind of trying to play that card and I get it. I understand those opinions, but I just like, it's just frustrating for me that the U S could play some of the best soccer I've seen them play in <laughs> I don't know. Help me out, JJ. Two years? Like, it's been a while for, for mm. how great that first half looked. It's been, it's honestly maybe been that long where the U.S. has looked that good and Wales looked the way they looked, which for much of the match, you know, we'll talk about each half and how they broke down, but for a lot of the match was so pedestrian. And so when I see that, the U.S. playing some of the top brand of American soccer and a Welsh team that was just so average, and it's still 1-1 when it's all said and done in a world cup where like results, they just, they matter more than performance. Oftentimes I know in elite and over the course of a league play in the premier league or MLS, we say, Oh, performance at all, even out at the end, just, you know, maybe you got to draw tonight, but even in the world cup, the sample size is too small, get the result. And so I can't, I can't fake it. That's nothing's over yet. They may still very well. They've, they've got a very good chance potentially of moving on to the group stage out of the group stage, but that's where I'm at tonight. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I, I echo your disappointment. I think I think that first half performance, after a few hours of trying to think about it and contextualize it, I thought it was an, a very good performance, a very controlled performance against a team that put in a wretched performance. I think that's as bad a first half as I've seen from from any team in a long time. I thought I thought they were so poor. I thought we were so dominant. I thought the United States put together the the best moves. But I I would I would counter 
I've kind of with with a bit of I was going to say the cold light of day, but it's not. It's the the cold darkness of night. You know, there wasn't abundant chances created, Andrew. Like we we opened them up for once for the goal, um, maybe twice in that in that first half, and for all the dominance, for all the passing, we left Wales in it right until it really mattered. And the second half performance, Wales were able to tweak things and get a bit more out of their side. By the way, that, that Welsh second half, it wasn't like that was a completely dominant performance either. Like there's Agreed. this idea that it was a game of two halves. Like the Welsh came into it way more in the second half, but anything would have been better than the schlock they served up in the first half. Totally and, agree. And if you want to, apart from the penalty, the only two chances that the Welsh produced came in very quick succession. It was the, the the pinball in the box, the shanked Tyler Adams clearance that got headed on to Ben Davies, who should score. If he heads that into the ground, he scores. He heads it right where Turner can make a really good save and tip it over the bar. And then Kiefer, Kiefer Moore with an even better chance, the glancing header that should absolutely be rattling the back of the net because he's he's completely been lost by the US defence. And those chances came within within a few a few minutes of each other. They were almost in the same same period of play as one of them went out for the for the it was the Turner save that produced the corner for the key for more shot. Outside of that, Wales didn't do a ton. I will say that the substitution that Wales made in bringing on Brennan Johnson brought a little bit more intensity to their attack and as as a lot of people in America say, a great heads up play for him to take that throw really quickly. Um and and our substitutes, uh, Kellen Acosta in particular, completely switched off asleep on that on that. I mean, to allow Ramsey, who was I, it's a long time since I've seen a player as washed as finished as Ramsey was in that first half, and to allow him then to drift in by you and put that cross in for Gareth Bale was just just an absolute gut punch. And then what Walker Zimmerman did, but. Um, all right, well, sl- slow down, Eager Beaver. We got seven hours of this, okay? We're going to be here for a while. We'll get to all of it. You're going to all the goals. You're going to... Come on. Come on, get some discipline here. Uh, let me let me roll back then and just say, I, you know, that game was right there. It was right there. And the U.S. should have hammered home that advantage from the first half and finished it. It should have been over because I think if it's 2-0, I don't think the Welsh are getting back into it. But they yeah. left them... They left them in it. Totally agree. Completely agree. I mean, the way that the U.S. played in that first half, even though even though there aren't other chances, like you mentioned, there aren't necessarily other chances that I can point to. It just felt that on the balance of play, it was it should have been more than a one goal lead, and and it wasn't because. And by the way, some of that I do feel the need to at least credit Wales a little bit. They could, you know, they took on a lot of pressure. The U.S. saw a ton of possession in that first half. And a lot of it was in and around the final third. Uh, but Wales, they set up deep. They were tough to break down. You know, the U S there were moments where I'm sure Welsh fans tensed up, you know, that feeling when like, you feel like something's coming, but Wales absorbed it. And like we said, it was really, you know, there, there's two chances, obviously the one that the goal was scored on. And really the other one was Josh Sargent hitting the outside of the post right after Joe Roden nearly put a ball in the back of his own net. But you're right, JJ, like, you know, for, for all of the, positivity that we could take from the u.s performance again we've said this many times about them even you know in in many games where we felt like they have played well something about 
the final third. I mean, maybe, I don't know. We're sitting here like, huh, like, what is it? Why could we be so good around the final third, but not create chances? Uh, is it too simplistic to say that like, well, yeah, when you don't, when, when you're so uncertain about your striker position, a lot of times, like if you create a lot of good play in and around the box, if you have a great strike, if you have a Lewandowski, I'm not saying you need that, but if you have a, if one of your best players on your team is your striker, then yeah, oftentimes he'll create something out of those chances. The U.S. don't have that. And I can't help but wonder if some of that is to blame for not being able to have you know, a, a, an efficient end product. I, yeah, partly, but I think there has to be more consistent patterns of play where, where Pulisic gets into those positions where you want him to be. When he, got, when he did get into those pockets, he looked dangerous. Um, but but our, our, in terms of our, our final penetration, that final ball, that final pass, that final finish, like we are lacking, but we've been lacking for a while now. You brought this up in the preview. You said this is a team that we don't score a ton. And so if you don't score a ton, that second half should have been a... We had so much possession of the ball. When is the last time we've dominated the ball like that? We don't even do that sometimes against CONCACAF opposition. And we, we completely kept the ball. I, I felt our midfield was just physically stronger and had more legs than the midfield of Ampadu and Ramsey, mm-hmm. which probably stands to reason. I mean, Ramsey's first half was, was pathetic. I mean, just look, it's not his fault he's... He's been denuded by injuries and um, not being able to find form in a run of games at his club. What did Bale do in the first half? I mean, yeah. one of the things that came out was the plethora of tweets I got from people at halftime. How amazing was Reem? I'm like, Tim Reem is back there smoking a cigar. His distribution was really good. He got on the ball unchallenged so many times. He had two moments where he had to deal with Bale and Ramsey. One down in the left-hand corner where he completely just bossed Ramsey. Ramsey tried to flick the ball over his head and Ream side foots it back in, back in, plays the ball out, cam as you like. And the other one was a header and it was more in the midfield area that he won ahead of Gareth Bale. But like, I couldn't give Ream man of the match in the first half. It was so easy. He was cruising. There was no, our centre-backs weren't troubled. I mean, did they, they had a shot. One shot was it, Ethan Ampadu, where he, he, um, he sliced a volley over the top. Otherwise, we, the levels of control made you think, all right, just keep doing that in the second half. You have the lead. This does not need to be complicated. And it is it is concerning that the whale but that the Welsh made one tactical change. Well, not one, but the main one in bringing in Kiefer Moore so they could beat the American press and go a bit more direct. And uh, the centre forward from Bournemouth, who by most metrics is a championship striker, no more than that seem to put us on our back foot and and change our change the trajectory of the game for us. Uh, you mentioned Tim Ream. This is from uh, at USMNT only, uh, posting the statistics for Ream on the night. 84 touches, 93% passing, 68 of 73. Four long balls, four duels won, three clearances, a blocked shot, two interceptions, two tackles, and one foul drawn. Uh, he was brilliant. Thank God they started him. I mean, we talked about that uh, last night, whenever it was. Yeah. Um, they think they have to I, I can't believe like it's almost silly and i said to you you'd owe me a beer if if they did and sure enough they did and i know that's kind of unfair because i think you thought they should also i thought I, yeah i thought I that, you into I, that bet well i um, thought i I, th- I just thought you've got another center back who's a month out finished the season terribly 
and you've got a player playing in the Premier League who's looking after really tough strikers and doing it very well, um, yeah, there's only one option here. You've got to go with the form option. And I would say this again, Tim Ream has had way tougher nights in the Premier League than he has had today. Sure. Way tougher. It was an absolute it was an absolute cruise for the first hour for him. Um He'd playing for Man City if he were twenty five. He's so so good. Tim Ream, so so good. But um we saw that version tonight. I I I would I would suggest it was it was relatively easy. Um but again there's another part of me that says, yeah, okay, cool. You passed the ball around. You kept the ball better than Wales. You found it very hard to get through their low block, through their defense and create real chances. And ultimately, what are you talking about then? You can't be taking a victory lap on that. And we certainly aren't. No one is. No one is. And I mean, and by the way, that is not like no one is trying to hide from that. Um, I saw Sam Steshall tweeted uh, after the game. Uh, he said, basically, every U.S. player has described the result as some variation of, quote, extremely disappointing. I mean, we talk all the time, J.J., about how, like, not all draws are created equal. Uh, you know, in every draw, despite the scoreline, there is a winner and there is a loser. The U.S. is the loser tonight. There's no way around that. When, oh, you, lead for as, when, when you lead for as much of a match as you did, uh, when you play to the level they did for large portions of this game, and when you when you just when you give it away the way that they did, not just the fact that that they conceded the penalty in the 82nd minute, but just like, you know, I talk all the time about like, it's amazing how far you can go in this sport. If you just don't beat yourself, if you just play smart, if you don't commit unforced errors and like, you know, God bless them, you know, Zimmerman and, and Reem, they did a good job at the center back pairing for most of the night. But I mean, you just have to wonder like, what is Zimmerman doing there? I, I can't, I can't help but wonder if maybe the the increasing pressure that Wales was putting on maybe makes a center back a little bit more uneasy, maybe a little bit more prone to to commit some kind of action like that. It's Bale, so maybe he's even you know double the amount of uneasiness because he knows who he's got to deal with in front of him. But just just to see Bale with his back to goal, and for Zimmerman to go through him like that, it just felt. It just felt so unnecessary, which is really what makes this all so frustrating to me. Yeah, for, for me, I'll go back further than that, Andrew. Um, I, I, I don't think the substitutions helped the team at all. You put in DeAndre Yedlin and Hadji Wright, and you're trying to pick out crosses. Well, those crosses have to be good, and they have to find Hadji Wright. They never did. There was no quality down that right-hand side. And Kellen Acosta, there's a lot of, frankly, nonsense going on on Twitter about... Uh, from people like Stu Holden, you know, one of the best, um, what does he describe it as? One of, uh, one of the best fouls ever taken or, or whatever. His foul on Bale when Turner is out of position at the end of the game. I don't so disagree with that. I know, but I, I, I still think you're asking a lot still for Bale from, from 25 yards. He's but, scoring that goal. But, but my problem is he's on seven minutes as a substitute. And both him and Tyler Adams are down for that quick throw-in by Brennan Johnson. And they both switch off, but Acosta is the closest to him. And and he just watches Ramsey. They didn't get in behind us like that once in the whole game. And yet switch off for a second and you allow it to happen. It just, I, I was freaking out when I saw it. I was like, you could see it in real time. Brennan Johnson wants that ball really quickly. He sees that throw is on. None of the US players see it. 
It, it is criminal. It's absolutely criminal. You've got to get goal side and track the run. In the end, he's nowhere near him against a player who looked like an octogenarian in the first half. Yeah. And, it's a, and it's pure quality. The cutback's really good to find Bale. And then Zimmerman, with what? There's some stupid things. And I hate being this critical, but that is such absolute, like, there's no excuse for that. No excuse. Bale's got his and, back. And he'll goal. know that. I'm sure he was he was probably crushed after that. Andrew, he what's he do? What's he doing? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you, it's one of those things you just you, you can't go through the back of a player like that, especially when it, like I understand if it's a last ditch effort and it's that or nothing. But he, he's, I yeah, he's in a somewhat dangerous spot. He's probably about 15 yards from goal. But his, but anytime a player's back is to goal, I don't care where he is. Yeah. You just can't go through the back of him like that. You just can't do it. He knows he, it. Like it's, it's, yeah, he knows. I know, but why? Like, I don't get why he's doing it. I know there's, there's like this. Sometimes the the red mist or the it yeah. overtakes you, and you just you just lose that sense of where you are and what you're supposed to be doing, and you think you can win it, but he just sides through him. Yeah, it's. I mean, people were some people were trying to say on Twitter, oh, it was excellent from Bale to win it, win it. I mean, look, Bale, I think, knew how to position himself to ensure that at the very least, What's... like, either he, <laughs> he either he creates a goal-scoring opportunity or he gets fouled. I, I I think he knows what he's doing in situations like that. But I, oh, Zimmerman, like bu- Zimmerman made it easy for him. There's no oh, way it around was like, it. It was, like a, it was like a bus. It was excellent how I stood in front of that bus. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> you know, he just came through him. Just... I know. And, I and I again, I, I take this tone because I kind of feel bad because, like, I don't want to pile on a guy for this U.S. team who, who – in this moment comes up and makes a, a play like that, that, that kills us in the first match. But I mean, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of have to call it as you see it. Like that was, that was a horrible moment. It's there's, there's no way yeah. around it. And everything that you said, by the way, is also a thousand percent, right? Like ultimately Walker Zimmerman will be the one that has to wear it because he's the one that committed the foul. But like there were others along the way there that helped mainly, like you said, Kellen Acosta who shut off and let a run in behind him. I mean, that, you know, it, like a quick throw at that point in the game can't be something that catches you completely off guard. It just can't. No, it uh, can't. And it's and it's not enough to say, well, you know, he's only seven minutes into the game. He's trying to find the pace of the game. It's a quick throw. He's a defensive center midfielder by trade. Switch on. Just get goal side. Immediately get goal side. But look, these things happen. A lot of goals are, are born out of mistakes. It was just frustrating for me to see the U.S. limit Wales so much, even in the second half. And for for that momentary lapse, and look, as much as I've said, Ramsey looks diminished, and he, he certainly does, even from uh, last summer at the at the Euros, he looked like a, a much better prospect, particularly in that group game against Turkey. But even as much as as you can say that, he's still got that touch, that class, that quality, and he didn't have to be asked twice. He got in there, he saw the gap, and and the, that pass to Bale is actually underrated. It's very very good. To pick him out and oh, I'm just I'm just frustrated, Re- really, really frustrated. Um, what else is there to say? Really, uh, I have a bunch. I have many things. There's many. Don't even, there's, don't even there's, think of moving on. No, I'm not. I'm not moving on. There's there's lots of other talking points in this, and um, I, 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 I look. The floor is yours, Senator. Thank you. Thank you for ceding the floor back to me. Uh, so the next place I want to go, you talked a little bit about substitutions. Um, and the one that I want to talk about is not one of the ones that did happen, 
but the one that is garnering all the tension for not happening. Mm. And that is the substitution that was not made of Gio Reyna. Yeah. Here is what I will say about it. Uh, I have the quotes here. Um, I'm reading from well, Jeff we, Carlisle. I, you've got Jeff's quotes from Bearhalter or from, from Gio? All of them. I got okay. them all, baby. All right, uh, I have them too. Bearhalter says about Gio, in the phase of the game we were at, we went with Jordan, who we felt could give us speed and power. Okay, so you see that and you think, I'm sorry, no, no. But then he continues. Definitely he, not. But yeah, then he continues not. and adds that they did a, quote, last-minute check on Reyna and think he'll play in this tournament. You come to find out, um, Bearhalter said about Gio Reyna, um, it was trying to get him up to speed. There was some tightness in his hamstring Ugh. we were guarding against in the scrimmage against Al Garafa the other day. Um, and so now, now it starts to clear itself up a little bit as to why Gio Reyna didn't play. That hamstring, that damn hamstring, I'm sure no one is more frustrated by it than Gio Reyna. Um, but then you hear Reyna's quote. Right. He comes out and says, I feel really good. I feel great. I feel fine. Then uh, asked if Bearhalter communicated the fact that he wasn't going to use him. Uh, Gio said, he doesn't have to tell me why he didn't put me in or why he does, but I'm 100%. I'm good to go. Here's what I will say about it. It does not surprise me necessarily that the player would say that. I'm sure this is this is the moment he's been waiting literally his entire life for. And oftentimes rational thought does not win out in a player's head in a situation like this. He just wants to play and he's willing to take his chances because, like I said, this is the culmination of his life so far. He's grown up playing soccer in a soccer household. His dad played in World Cups. This is what Gio Reyna wants to be doing. Hamstring be damned. So I'm not surprised he would say that. You can all out there think what you want about Greg Bearhalter. I know some of you think that he's a buffoon. Some of you think that he's a fine coach. I don't care what you think. But I think that we should all be able to agree upon the fact that Greg Bearhalter knows enough about soccer to know that his best option late in the game, if you need a goal, is Gio Reyna over Jordan Morris. All right? Gio Reyna didn't play in this game because his hamstring is not fully fit, and Greg Bearhalter was nervous about using him. There's no other reason. There's no other explanation. If the two guys, if Morris and Reyna are both sitting there and they're both fully fit and available to play, Gio Reyna's going in the game. All right? It's the World Cup. It's not qualification. It's not the Gold Cup. It's not Nations League. You're not saving him for anything. You're saving him for this. This is the moment. So if he was healthy enough to play, he would have. There's no part of me that believes that Gio Reyna was fully fit. And I just hope that he'll be fully fit or at least fit enough to give them something against England on Friday. Because now I think you have to start to worry about that. That if in a key moment of your first game, they didn't think that, I mean, Bale scored what, in the 82nd minute? Now, I don't think we knew at the time that there'd be nine minutes of stoppage time. As far as Greg Berhalter goes, they got 10 minutes to get a goal. If he didn't even think Gio Reyna could give 10 minutes today, now you got to worry. I don't believe yep. that this was just Berhalter thinking Jordan Morris is the better option than Gio Reyna. I think Reyna has an issue and it's something to be worried about. I I, t I totally agree with you. And let's look at that bench. I mean, you've got obviously Gio Reyna, but, but look at that kind of player who's technically good, can come in and create and pass and keep the ball. Jesus Ferreira, not going to do it. Brendan Aronson, not that type of player. Ethan Horvath, a goalkeeper. Luca De La Torre, 
Aaron Long, Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, not not up to that level. Shaq, uh, Shaq Moore, Haji Wright, Cameron Carter-Vickers, but and on and on. There's just, I, I've said it before, he's just unique. And it scares me now that he isn't 100% going into this England game, which now I was hoping it was going to be, a, we'd beat Wales and the US were going to the, the game in term with, with the mindset of not playing with house money, but not not the whole thing riding on it. Now, is the whole thing riding on it? No. But a prefer a nice result would be would be very good because <laughs> Yeah. There you go. I don't I you see, I don't know. I'm not convinced that Wales are gonna go and do a number on like from what we saw today from Wales anyway. I like first of all, I don't know what state Iran are going to be. Well, like, we'll, get, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to them in, in due course. But. I mean, my head went to a dark place after this game where I start well, to did, think about. So where where my, you know, I'm a fan. I've never hid that now more than ever. Um, and so, you know, fans oftentimes when when you're in a low moment after a game you thought you should have won, you start to think negative thoughts. And so what do I start thinking? I start thinking, OK, well, how does this all how does this all play out now after this draw today? And I start thinking, OK, well, we have England next. Boy, they look good today. Uh, it's a tall order. I think they're going to win. And then Wales have Iran, who were a disaster. I think Wales will probably win. And so now you start to think about it. Well, England, if they do that, they will have clinched advancement to the knockout round. So and so then you start think. So then you start thinking about well, what's the team they're going to play against Wales? And you start thinking, oh, it's probably going to be their B team. Now maybe that's still good enough to beat Wales, but if Wales are playing for their World Cup lives, then you start thinking, oh, great. That's how this is going to play out, where Wales is going to get the benefit of getting England last when they've already clinched. Now, look, that's, again, that's where my head went in a dark moment. Who knows? The U.S. might draw England. It's not out of the realm of possibility at all. At all. The U.S. could beat them. Who, I don't, it, it's possible. It's possible. Um, and Wales could lose. Like this, this all can play out a thousand different ways. I'm just saying that... <laughs> That was where I went today after this game ended. I started to think about how that could go. That is your psyche, though, because if tomorrow morning you won $10 million in, like, the New York lottery. I think, your oh, first thought, taxes I got to pay on this. Your first thought, apart from taxes, would be, oh, my God, thieves are going to come and rob me. That's, your, you know, you're, you are, you're not glass half full. Mm. You're glass half full of an explosive substance that's going to maim me. I don't think that's entirely fair. I think I'm I think I'm really inconsistent with <laughs> with the glass. Sometimes it's half full, sometimes it's half empty. I'm inconsistent with whether or not I'm a a, a happy person or or a sad one. I I fluctuate. Uh, yeah. I uh I the wind was taken out of the sales, I think a bit by that result today, but we'll regroup tomorrow. It's a point. It's a point. Yeah, it was. Um, it was funny. Jenny Taft, though, um, when she was talking to Tyler Adams, just because the general gloom, and she was at the Alrian Stadium, and she said, uh, she said, Tyler Adams, uh, what's what's the mood after the uh, after that defeat? And that is just the mindset now that it, that it was a defeat. I know. And like you said, all draws are not equal. No. Um. The other thing I wanted to ask you about this, JJ, because you know you're more of the Timmy tactics. I don't, I don't pretend to know more than you about that kind of stuff. That's that's why you're here. 
It's the role you serve. It's not why I'm here. There's it's people the way only more reason. Way, yeah, listen, there's people with way more tactical acumen, but they're just not as entertaining. <laughs> so here's what I wanted to ask you. You know, because we're talking about Bearhalter a little bit, and obviously in the wake of these games, there's always a bit of, you know, okay, how much of this is his fault? And you know how U.S. soccer, the, the soccer fan base is. Oftentimes, it's all his fault. I've just told you that I don't think the Gio Reyna situation is his fault. Um, you know, I think lineup-wise, he got it right today. I really don't have any complaints. I wanted Reem in there. I was very happy to see Josh Sargent starting up top. Uh, I was happy that Tim Weah started. I know there were some people that thought maybe he shouldn't or he should start down the middle or whatever. I thought he got it. I thought he got it totally right. Uh, so I don't blame him even for for Zimmerman being out there to commit a penalty. I think that's all good. The thing I want to ask you about, though, in terms of tactics. So, like, we we can all agree that that game, to a certain extent, it changed at halftime. Kiefer Moore coming on, whatever you want to whatever you want to attribute it to, tactical changes, things like that. The game changed in some ways at the half, and like, I just need your help to understand. Okay, how much of that is? Wales taking the initiative and just playing better? How much of that is the U.S. doing something differently that's allowing Wales to come into the game? Did the U.S. just, did they, mm. do they change their thinking instead of trying to like step on the Welsh players' throats and really go for it? Did they decide, okay, we're going to sit back and soak up pressure? I mean, help me, help me to understand the changes that happened there that allowed this game to go the way that it did. Okay, in the second half, Wales definitely came out and played better. Um, Moore gave them something up top that they didn't have with Gareth Bale. When the ball went up, he did a lot of work running left and right and holding the ball up. That was part of it. And there was definitely their fullbacks played higher up the field. There was more of an intensity because there had to be. I would say there was a rocket given by Rob Page at halftime for, for that first half performance, which was disjointed and incoherent. The other, the, the other thing I noticed in the second half, and it wasn't as much tactical as execution-wise, it's a perfect game state for the United States to finish Wales. Mm -hmm. Wales are pushed high up the field. The U.S. are still turning over the ball. Like I said, it's not like Wales played through. So what's happening with the balls that are won back, the interceptions, the breaking ball? There was time and again, the wrong pass was played to open the game out on the counterattack. There was a number of moments where that happened, where you're just screaming, make that pass, and the pass wasn't made. In transition, Andrew, where we should have been deadly, where we should have seen them off, where they were stretched because they committed numbers forward, the U.S. weren't able to do it, and that is just galling. So now with you saying that, this is where I'm going to say something that will potentially get me in trouble with this U.S. soccer fan base. I don't see how that's Bearhalter's fault. All right. Like for me, if we're going to talk about the U.S. performance tonight, what can a manager really do? Well, he can try to set up his team in a way, A, with his lineup, which we all, I mean, to a man, I haven't seen anybody disagree with the lineup that he put out there tonight. So he got that right. So he can set his team up to win by his lineup and then by trying to put them in positions to create goal scoring opportunities, which we talk about that first half, especially, but even patches of the second half, they did do that. I mean, they were like, Wales was constantly under pressure for that first 45 minutes. So, like, Bearhalter can't make that pass for them. He can't take the header for Josh Sargent. He can't do no. those things. Like, at a certain point, a manager, he can put his team in position to succeed, which I think to, for, for a lot of the game he did. Um, 
but he can't score the goals for them. You're kind of at the mercy of the personnel that you have out on the field. And the U.S., they have some limitations. Yeah, I think there was a sense from a lot of people that about maybe making changes quicker, that perhaps, you know, maybe we could have seen Brendan Aronson a bit quicker. Um, like Aronson came in in the 66th minute for Weston McKinney. I, d- I didn't think McKinney was great. Um, and I thought him and Serginio Dest were, like for players who play, you know, at a high level, those two yellow cards they picked up in the first half were just so dumb. They were they were silly. They were unnecessary. Yeah. yeah, like whether you think they were particularly bad or yellow worthy or not, they were sliding, lunging tackles on the sideline of the halfway. Why? There's no yeah. need for it. I thought the same thing. And and that limits limits your play as well. So there was a lot of people thought Aronson could have come in and and given a bit of buzz and energy into that midfield, and he could have maybe come in at half time. I and I, I I wouldn't have hated that move. I wouldn't have hated that um, that substitution. I'm I'm not letting Bearhalter off the hook. Um, but again, I, I he didn't send Kellen Acosta in to not track Aaron Ramsey. Uh, and and I, I I tend to agree with you on the passing. Um, like in transition, Bearhalter can't influence that much. It was I I don't know why it wasn't more incisive and fluid. There were a number of times where you could see the U.S. flooding forward in that second half. And they only to give the ball away or nothing to come of it. Like, can you think of many U.S. chances in the second half? Uh, no. I mean, I can think of moments where they threatened a little with, like, and it didn't but, come off. But it didn't. No, but it didn't really translate into a real attempt. Yeah, um, that was kind of the story of the game. And I, JJ, think, I, I think I may get canceled by the U.S. soccer fan base after the things I just said here. <laughs> in terms of not going in this, a bear halter, because I, I, I know that's what people want. And like, but I can't, again, I can't fake it. Like, yeah. Okay. You know what here? I'll walk back a little bit that there were portions of the second half where I'm sure the U S could have gone for it in a way that they weren't, but how much of that is because Wales changed their game and the U S had to change this, the way that they wanted to play. I mean, like if the U S wanted to open up and go for it, well, like Wales needed a goal. So if the U.S. want to play open, that's fine. Maybe they wind up getting one at the other end, but I think you could say just as easily Wales would get one themselves. And, like, if you think about the way Wales got their goal, it's not because the U.S. really got opened up. Sure, they did a little bit on the throw, but ultimately there was still a lot of work to do, and Walker Zimmerman did some of that work for Wales. So, like, even even the yeah. goal they scored, like, without well, kind of a, a, a really bad moment for a self-inflicted error for an American player, the game probably ends 1-0 to the U.S., I think it was frustrating the way that they allowed Kiefer Moore to bring them further back up the field. Like his presence made them sit that little bit deeper or something that one of our listeners pointed out. That was because for, like for me, I'm, I would continue. I, I'm not, maybe, maybe you drop a little bit. You naturally do. You're in the lead. They're coming at you, but that is the perfect, perfect way to spring counterattacks. And there were moments where that happened and the U S was really found lacking in executing those. And I thought that would be a, a strong point. And I do think, uh, and I'm worried about the injury report. Hopefully yeah. tomorrow we'll, we'll have some clarity. A lot of guys, a lot of cramp very quickly. Uh, a game that was very intense. I told people it'd be a derby. It was like, that first half was like a championship game. It was like an EFL championship game. And the second half too. 
It was extremely physical. There was tackles flying in. It was exhausting. A lot of players going down with cramp. And then, because of something FIFA and the referees have been cooking up for the last seven or eight months because of playing time and, and some some reaction to time-wasting, they're adding on these huge stoppages, outrageous stoppages. I mean, the England-Iran game, you, you didn't think it was ever going to end. In both halves. 14 <laughs> minutes of stoppage time in the first half. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Now, there was a reason for it. There was, there was a reason for it, but like the, an injury. The, time added, the time added on at the end was some kind of it's crazy. Cruel, cruel and unusual punishment for everyone. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I guess the one thing. See, now I'm worried. I feel like I, I, I probably can't check my mentions now for the next several days, at least. I'll say this: if we're gonna nitpick on substitutions, I mean, maybe some of this is hindsight. I don't know. Yedlin kind of just like it. Just feels like he ain't it right now. Um, I know there will be a large contingent of Joe Scally people out there saying, "Why is he called Scallywags? Why is he not getting the chance that Yedlin got back in 2014?" Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I I would I'd grant you that. Because um, there was a couple know. of times, did you notice that where he was under a little bit of pressure and he just decided to boot the ball into the stands? Yeah, and just like you know, a lot of the U.S.'s attack is generated from the fullback position. I mean, God, we see it with Anthony Robinson. He's so important to this team. Jeez, and you know, watching Yedlin play balls into the box, there's just there's just not much there. Um, along those lines, JJ, we've come pretty far into this podcast. We haven't even mentioned Christian Pulisic yet. Uh, while I'm talking about balls being played into the box without being much there, boy, his, his set pieces are just, they're just so lacking. I mean, Dreadful. it's just from, it's, from the very first one, it's they tough get a to free watch. Kick. They get a free kick. It's an opportunity to to deliver. And there's a wide open alley just to hit that low with pace in between Hennessy and the Welsh defense. By the way, did you think Hennessy could have caught far more? Of yes. Balls? What the hell? <laughs> I thought that's, I thought the same thing. I thought I mean, the Hennessy, same thing. Hennessy became, oh, I won't do that joke. I'll leave it alone. I'm going to be the, going to be the bigger man. I'll, I'll leave that alone. Um, he was just coming out and punching everything instead of yeah. collecting. Like two handed punches that like, just catch the ball, dude. You got yeah, two hands on it. it was, they say, but some of the, a lot, at least two of the three that he punched that I saw, he could have easily caught. I very thought strange. that too. It was, it was very strange, but. But that first free kick, go in, put it in between Hennessy and, um, and the players and, and, and get someone sliding in or attacking it. But he was, he was really poor, really, yeah, I, really poor. I don't know what to make of Pulisic's first world cup match. I would say it was, I it thought was he a had a good game. Uneven. I thought he was, um, I thought in some respects he was good. Obviously he had the assist on Tim Weah's goal. You couldn't, you could not possibly have asked for a better ball than that. He made, he, he took it off. Jeff, the Jeff run Sargent's from deep chest, was excellent. Made a nice run, threaded through the Welsh defense. And I mean, way as finish was just fantastic you know, i feel bad we we've harped so much on the negative we haven't even talked about this moment we're 40 minutes into the podcast we're just sure. getting the u.s goal well um, let's 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 lift everybody's spirits and play the goal here you go musa sergeant Polisic on the run Polisic has way Polisic rolls it in tim way Such a good goal and such a brilliant move. You know, drops in Sargent. Sargent does his one really good contribution for the game. That little bit of hold-up play. And Pulisic bursting through, breaks the lines, times his pass perfectly, 
ways run from outside to inside. That's maybe why you don't want him playing centrally. Because if he can make that run from outside to inside, that is devastating. And a brilliant finish past Hennessy. And that was that was such a moment. Oh man, uh, was such it ever. a absolutely brilliant moment. Um and a great move. But again, we just don't do enough of that. I know. Now, I thought Pulisic on, on the totality of the game, I thought he played well. And he played well considering he was kicked around the place in, in um like I said, in, in, in EFL championship fashion, or some people would say CONCACAF Cafe fashion. Um it was it was tough and, and he was limping at the end of the game and you just hope he's gonna be okay. Yeah, um, I mean he he was beaten pretty good. I think in the first half, you know, the reason I say an up and down game for him is because he had the assist. I think in the first half, if we talk about a lot of the incisive play that the US had, I think he was at the center of a good a good chunk of it. Um, you know, he's always looking to create. Uh but I think in the second half, if you're talking about passes that weren't made, I think he was also at the center of some of that as well. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. some of that was just how much, how physical Wales were with him. Uh, I wonder, if, you know, it's not easy to take him off if you think he's the best player. I know there's some debate on that. I believe he's, like I said the other night, I believe he's the best player on the team. Maybe you don't want to take him off if, if he's fully fit. Um, but I wonder if maybe they would have benefited. If, uh, you know, if you take him off a little bit early, it doesn't take as much of a beating. Maybe you get Aronson. I mean, Aronson came on in the 66, so you wouldn't probably take Pulisic off that early. But I don't know. Something where, you, like, now you go into the England game and you wonder, well, like, how fresh is he going to be? I mean, how banged up is that guy going to be just a few days from now? And uh, it's a short week. One. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you're, you know, you're back out again. So it's a, it's really intense. I, I just thought about it today. Your World Cup is over next Tuesday, potentially. <sighs> It's uh, microdosing. You ever you know, see them? You ever, this is. I mean, are you ready for just like the most obscure reference, maybe in the history of this pod? Have you ever seen Dennis the Menace, the movie? Uh oh, it's a long time. But is like Walter, Walter Matthau? The, yeah, yeah. And so, you know what the World Cup is? It's that. It's that effing flower that Walter Matthau in Dennis the Menace is like. He's got his garden club and the flower. It's in bloom for like four seconds. Yeah. It's just like, and it's this incredible explosion of beauty. And then it shrivels up and dies right away. And it's like Dennis the Menace does something and he gets Walter Matthau's attention and, and Matthau misses the flower blooming. And like, it's so, like, that's, that's what this experience is. Like, we've waited so long. And you're right. Like, by the middle of next week, after just three games, it could be over. Now, I'm going to think happy thoughts. And I'm going to think that that is not necessarily the case. The U.S. still have a great chance. I mean, what what's the statistic in the current format? Teams that don't lose their first match or draw in the first match, it's still like 54% go through? 52. 52? All right. So, you know, now look, either us or Wales, someone's going to be in the other side of that. Um, but I give – I really think after watching this game, I really think we're better than them. I do. I genuinely believe that. Uh, yeah. They're just going to have I- to – They're they're going to have to show it in a more incisive way. Do you know what annoyed me was uh, for all, again, possession, uh, felt like you're on top of the game, felt like you're in control. Their XG at the at the end of the game, there was some variation on it, but ours was 0.89 and theirs was like 0.75. 1.75. Well, I think, is that the non-penalty XG? Because I thought, there, I thought theirs was like 1.5 or something like that. I, I think the penalty like up their XG significantly. Yeah, but even if it was 1.5, like those, like the, 
the uh, Ben Davies header and uh, Kiefer Moore glancing header would have had a fairly high XG, I would have thought. So uh, well, yeah, and then like oh. also too, what is like the Joe Rodon near own goal? I should know this, but does that factor That's a- in to XG? That would be a very low XG. I mean, it was brilliant. Yeah. By the way, that was something that we we did twice in the game and it almost came off, was that little dinked ball from Serginho Dest to beat them over the top into the corner to Tim Weah. And it was kind of, it was successful twice. And but we didn't we didn't do it again, whether it was Wales copped onto it and started cutting it out, or whether Dest just didn't didn't get a chance to do it again. I thought that was um I, I, early on, I, I made a note of that. I thought that was going to be something that was going to be really productive. But um, do you want to do a mailbag? Yeah, sure. It's doing, okay. I, I need more enthusiasm than that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, that's what you're going to get. All right, don't don't make me repeat it and put on some silly radio voice. Yeah. Um, the the first two we've we've answered in fairness. Um, so I'll skip ahead. Uh, Alex, too much focus on not playing Reina tonight. In terms of our attack, I feel comfortable. We were dominant and produced ample chances. A disappointing result where two points feel wasted for sure. But the difference was a poor decision to tackle in the box, not an underwhelming attack. No, I, I couldn't disagree more with that. Yes, the difference was that one that one incident in terms of the game, but the idea that the chances were ample, the chances were not ample. They just weren't. And that's the frustrating point, to have all the ball and seemingly be dominant and yet not not open up Wales enough to, to get another goal and ice the game. That's the problem, Alex. Um, Cody Knorr, how awful did you think that official was? Uh, I'll let you go on this one, Andrew, because I have some thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, the big moment that... By the, by the way, the official, we should give his name. He's a Qatari referee. Um, Abdul Rahim Al Jassim. Um, yeah. Look, the big moment for me is one that we'll never really have an answer to. Uh, Anthony Robinson was beside himself with rage, both during and after the match, with regards to a ball that either did or did not go out of play prior to the penalty being committed. Um, Robinson said afterwards, quote, it was blatantly out of play. I kept saying to the linesman, you've like cost us the game, basically. Um, I've seen the, uh, I think it was Henry Bushnell has like a gif of the moment. The problem is the linesman gets in the way of the camera angle right as the ball either is or is not going over the line. So unless somebody presents another angle, we will literally never know. Uh, Now, Robinson and Bearhalter, they the two of them, Bearhalter also right away went crazy. Um and they had pretty good views of it. Maybe it maybe it did. And if they miss that, I mean that's that's an awful mistake if it leads to potentially yeah, yeah, a but, team going out of a World Cup. Linesman's right also, there. You, but as you professional footballers, you learn this in, in at the very start of, of your playing days, when you first pull on boots. Like you play it to the whistle, you can't just stop. Well, they didn't like stop. I don't know. Yeah, no one so, stopped. That was, I mean, they kept playing. I mean, the ball I, the, the, then a new fit, then the ball went out of play. Eventually, where Wales took the the. I, I, there the was quick enough throw. time. There was enough time to. Uh, there were uh, there was enough things that happened afterwards that could have been stopped. Like just because the ball go, may have gone out 
over the sideline does not automatically mean the ball ends up in the net. That's not that's no, not of course true. not. But I mean, in a game of small margins, it matters. Like you ask uh, players they, to be held accountable for their mistakes. Well, that was a big one. If it did go over the line, that's a pretty big one. We, from yeah, the but we don't even know. I mean, we don't even know. It went um, Abdul Rahim Al Jazim. I think he had a. I think he had a fairly erratic game. My one problem was I didn't know what would definitely be a yellow card, what wouldn't be a yellow card. I didn't know what player could go down, and the game would be stopped, and what other players could go down, and the game would be would, would not be stopped. Like there was there was Welsh players went down. They weren't head injuries. He stopped the game. There was U.S. players went down. They weren't head head injuries. He didn't stop the game. It was that kind of inconsistency. He seemed a bit. I don't know. He was frantic. He was uh, he was handing out cards early, which is never a great sign. Although I do think that the U.S. just made Dest and McKenney in particular made life too easy for him in that case. But he is not the reason we're sitting here tonight disappointed. I just uh, I I can't. Yeah, have I don't that think guy. so. I don't think so either. Um, Justin, what's with the excessive stoppage time? <laughs> so. I, I did I remember reading an article and such was my I suppose reticence to engage with the World Cup because this article was out in April from Corriella della Sport, which I read on Italianfootball.com, the website. So this has been mooted for a while. Um this is from April fifth, twenty twenty two. FIFA considering playing time rule change ahead of the twenty twenty two World Cup. FIFA are keen to introduce new rules regarding effective playing time ahead of the World Cup. Um, and then they go into all the, the statistics. Uh, the ball is only in active play, 60.2% of the match on average in Champions League. As reported by Corriella del Sport, FIFA want to increase the amount of effective playing time in matches ahead of the upcoming World Cup in Qatar, but they'll have to receive the green light from IFAB, the body that covers governs the laws of football. Um, so current estimations suggest that matches in the 2022 World Cup could feature at least 10 minutes of extra time in order to solve this issue. Confirmation Jeez. of this proposal came directly from FIFA president Gianni Infantino, who recently visited Italy. So I guess in classic FIFA style, I didn't hear that there was a rule change. I guess they're just going ahead with it now, and it's a directive that was given to the referees. I wonder were the teams told about this? Because this seems like an unfathomable cruelty. Like, just like to see the players flailing around at the end of a group game. The end of the US-Wales game looked like the end of extra time in a round of 16 match. It's a weird Body moment. strewn it, across the turf. It's a weird thing to, to decide now. We're, okay, now we're doing this. Like, you would think... Let's let's institute this earlier on, whether that be qualifying, uh, friendlies, Nations League, something like let's institute this and like get everyone used to this idea. So when the World Cup rolls around, we don't have to be playing 14 minutes of stoppage time at the end of a first half. Like right. it just seems like a weird decision to make when you get to a World Cup. Do this beforehand. Yeah, but I, I guess they've just decided that they're going to do it ad, ad hoc and on the fly. Um which is, I, I totally agree, which is not good. Um, Andrew Walshag, who are we crossing the ball to? So many runs and balls played away from goal into the corner only to cross to nobody. The crossing made much more sense when Hadji Wright was in. I mean, it didn't, yeah, it didn't. But, when, we but didn't. when he was in, I don't remember anything successful coming from it. That Yeah, that's the point. We never found anybody. Stacey Lofton, how do you rate Reem's performance? Zimmerman's, Very good. Do they, do they both start against England? Yes. Yes. Reem was they excellent. Do. 
I thought Reem was very good. And uh, but again, I I think, like I said, he he's had much tougher games already this season. Uh, this was walk in the park, and he he acquitted himself very well. Uh, Zimmerman, well, you know, outside of that one horrendous aberration, he'll be in again again against England. There'll be no change there. It will be it will be very surprising if if Greg uh, dropped Zimmerman just based on that. Um, and then Ken San wanted to know because I thought that, I thought I could see you stress eating. What is your stress snack, Andrew? So what were you chewing on apart from your fingers when you watched that game? Uh, hot Funyuns. <laughs> I think that's what they are. <laughs> Old Funyun Yandy. I can uh, see it. It was a brand of Funyun I had not seen before. Um, and you love um, potato chips and snacks of... Yeah, and I must snacks. say they were spectacular, uh, but that is what I was eating in the uh, the second half. So. Yeah, I've seen you uh, house a packet of chips, packet of corn base. Well, I only give chips. myself certain days of the year where I allow myself to eat a, like a full bag of Doritos because I know, I, I just know I can't handle the responsibility of it. Does all the fat from the Doritos just collect in your in your weird body lump? Like every year for the Super Bowl, the Final Four and the Super Bowl are the two big ones where I'll, like Amanda will say like, what do you what do you want for the Super Bowl? Like we'll get something cool. I just say like I'll eat anything, but really like the the main thing I want is just like get me the biggest bag of Doritos that you can possibly find, and don't Spartan, judge me. What a Spartan life you live. <laughs> well, Jesus. you asked. Well, what what do you do want to do for a treat, honey? Bag of Doritos. Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you think of tonight? Like Del Frisco's or you know. <laughs> Where where we uh, let's just go to CVS and find the biggest effing bag of Doritos that we can possibly find, and let's eat them in the car outside with the heating <laughs> on. Oh man! And that's uh, that's all I could take from the mailbag because we kind of in the body of the pod dealt with most of the other questions. Should we? JJ, uh, I, talk- I think I think before we exit the U.S., I think I have to walk back some of the things I said earlier. Why? Because you're afraid of the mob. But I'm no. A little, but also yes. A little, but but the mob is not. I should say that the mob is not entirely wrong. Like I'm thinking more and more about the second half, and you know, I, look, I, people shouldn't be entirely surprised. You always point this out on this podcast that traditionally I am more of a players guy. Like when teams do well, I tend to look at players. When teams fail, I tend to look at players. It's just it's just how my mind works. Um, but I guess, but I can. I can see it from the other side on this one where if if you feel like something has changed in the second half of a game and you feel like adjustments aren't being made the way that you would like them to, you're yes, that you're not wrong for also looking at the manager in that case too. I guess my problem is people, people will go to that. I've always had the same issue with bear halter that people point to him for all of the U S's problems. And I feel like sometimes that comes at the expense of also understanding that there are players on the field too, who are also responsible, who also have limitations and make their own decisions out there. So I guess what I really mean to say is that both things are to blame. I see a lot of tweets running rampant tonight that, you know, this is why Bearhalter's trash. This is why he should have been let go before the tournament started, all that kind of stuff. And like, I, I just can't get to that place because I think it's, it's not just him. Like, yes. Okay. Fine. He he can be part of it. I was wrong before when I when I sort of intimated that he has nothing to do with it. That's wrong. Um, I just 
I just don't want players to be forgotten in the equation. I guess now that's I'm I'm comfortable exiting on that. JJ, is that all right? I, Am I, I a coward now? I'm a coward, aren't I? You're not, but you saw the power of the uh, of the animals on our live feed last night, which is still available. If you if you want to see what we felt like, how bullish uh, we were before the game, we did the live stream last night on YouTube, which was tremendous fun. And thanks to everyone who's watched it so far. And people, loads of people watched it today again. So so kudos to them. Um, get over, subscribe to our YouTube. Keep subscribing to that. Turn the notifications on. There's more stuff coming your way across the course of this World Cup. Um, and also, like, rate, subscribe everywhere else. Spotify, Stitcher. We're up on Stitcher now. Um, iTunes, everywhere. Wherever you can give us a like, a rating, whatever, go and do it. Because we really, really need it. And we really, really appreciate it. Seems um, like the YouTube live stream was a, was a truly big success. People really enjoyed it. Loved it. Loved it. People still watching it. And I believe we're going to do another one Friday night after the England game. How are you going to watch that game? Because that's it's Thanksgiving. So I'm going to be with my family um, in Philly. And I'm trying to decide. Like that's This it's is not one, Thanksgiving. I'm, Thanksgiving is Thursday. I know, but it's the Thanksgiving. It's the whole thing. Thanksgiving and Black Friday. It's all a thing. You group it all together. So I, I, think, I think people should go to Atzio Soccer Pod on Twitter at caught offside pod. And I'm going to announce where I'm going to go watch the game in New York. And if people want to come and watch it with me, awesome. I kind of want to watch it with you too. I know, but you stink. It's a tough one. I remember when the, when the schedule was announced, like I remember even then saying, you can't get this one wrong. Like this is once in a lifetime stuff. USA versus England on a, on black Friday. You can't get this viewing wrong. And I'm I'm worried now that I, I don't want to get it wrong, but I'm afraid I might. Do I just watch at home? I mean, it could be fun to watch with my family. The problem is they're not really soccer fans, but I think they're kind of getting into this. They watched our live stream the other night. In fact, you're not even going to believe this. What? So, so it's kind of sad. So like eight and a half years we've done this. I'm not sure if my family has ever listened to a single pod, but they knew that we were doing the live stream for the World Cup the other night. And so they were really, it was cool. They all listened and tuned into the YouTube to watch us. And my mom sent me a text message today. She said, I heard JJ mention Dave Sarakin last night. I said, <gasps> I said, yeah, okay. She said, I think I went to high school with him. And I said, she said, is he like my age? And so sure enough, I went to his I Googled him and looked him up on, on Wikipedia. He's the, he was not only they were in the same class. Uh, they oh, he graduated took her to prom. <laughs> they were, they, I mean, my mom seemed to know him. She said he was always an incredible soccer player. Obviously she said he was really small. He's like five foot five. Um, they're the, literally the same age. That's why she wouldn't take him to prom. Oh, he went to Brighton that. high school in Rochester uh, they were cla- literal classmates. My mom said we knew their family very well. Uh, like, I've been doing a soccer podcast for almost a decade. The guy was, albeit briefly, but still the manager of the U.S. men's national team. She never even thought to mention. Yeah, I knew this guy. I think he was. Do- I think he did stuff with the with U.S. soccer. Never, not once. Isn't that like that's wild to me? It's not a big yeah. school. It's not a school known for like churning out like major talent. Incredible. Feels like a missed opportunity in some way that I can't put my finger on. I, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> what? Old Andy Sarakin. 
Oh God! Unbelievable! Right? Unbelievable! But anyway, let's talk yeah, about so, other teams. But, yeah, but like you were saying though, um, the hope, the hope, if, assuming that my parents, because everyone knows that the Wi-Fi in their parents' house is not. It's just for whatever reason, it's just not as reliable. I don't know why. I don't know if there's science behind this, but I I worry about the Wi-Fi in my parents' house. If it's standard, then the hope is that we'll be able to do another live stream after USA England. And you got to go on our social media to check out what time because you know it depends whenever Andrews finished the second round of turkey sandwiches. The best. Uh, speaking of England, obviously, before we get out tonight, this was mainly a U.S. reaction pod. But before we get out of this podcast, uh. I mean, wow, England. It's funny because like the U.S. were coming off of their really ugly friendlies and we were like, oh, what version of the U.S. are we going to be getting at the World Cup? And the same was true of England. Like, what's it been, JJ? It was six games that they had gone without a win, three losses and three draws. And like, we kind of wondered, eh, like, has has the best of England been seen already? Well, they scored six today. I know it was against Iran, but six in a World Cup, I don't care who the opposition is. That's not nothing. No, um, but you you have to factor in the I, I, actually the, the goals England scored. I, I will say this before I, I factor in the opposition, and people get mad at me that I'm being old anti English JJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, with these nicknames, they're so involved. The <laughs> uh, the goals were really good, and England played really well. There's no question. Jude Bellingham had a great game. Um, I love Sterling's goal. His finish with the outside of his boot. I mean, the second half, things got a bit out of control and it did feel a little bit like kind of a, a weird end-of-season friendly game. I mean, they, just, I mean, Iran just got hammered. Um, England did get caught out on one of the goals pretty badly. The Not the penalty, but the, the goal before that, the, Iran's first goal, where Maguire, again, goes to sleep, doesn't see the runner inside him, and it's a really, it's a really sharp finish. But Iran, I mean, Iran, there's just so much going on there outside of football. There was protests in the stands from from Iranian uh, supporters who um, were kind of supporting the 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 I suppose the movement for women's rights and for for um, human rights in in the state of Iran right now. Um, and then the Iran players themselves sh- they seem to be showing solidarity with those protesting back home. The players stood silent as the Iranian national anthem played out around the Khalifa International Stadium. Um, That's pretty courageous. It was very, jeez, oh, when you think of how repressive that society is, yeah, it, it is very courageous. And it's just, they must be torn apart because this is their their big moment. Their, their, their fans aren't with them. Their fans want them to show like obvious signs that they are supporting uh, the protesters back home. And they're trying to represent their country in a game. It's just a very, very fraught situation. And Iran are not uh, the team that showed up today. They're a better side than that. And um, unfortunately, they got an absolute shellacking. I think all that that maelstrom of of um, of feeling and um, I'm sure of confusion for them was part of it. But also, they were supremely negative. I mean, they only had like six completed passes or something like that in the first 30 minutes of the game. Albeit, they kept England at bay for for a fair length of time. But then once the floodgates opened, it was it was a hammering. So very good from England um, with a caveat. Uh, now, the other story emerging from this game was obviously uh, we had the the countries. Well, real um, quick, are you, are you going to talk about the armband? Yeah. Before you do that, uh, just something on the game itself. Um 
there was one guy, a couple, I mean, more than one guy, but um, one guy tonight that I was genuinely happy for. And if you think about the last time we saw Bukayo Saka in a really meaningful moment wearing that jersey for England, it was him in just distraught, in tears, after having missed the decisive penalty at Wembley against Italy to use to lose the European Championships. I mean, that's, for a lot of guys, even though he's young, that's a potentially career-defining moment to have something like that happen. But then you see him out there tonight in a World Cup starting for England, and you see that that is not going to be how you know, the book of Bukayo is going to be written. He's There's a lot more to go of this guy's time as a professional and with this national team. And he comes out his first, you know, there's been other matches, but his first truly meaningful match since then, this World Cup game, and he scores two goals. I mean, the, the one a beauty, uh, caught it on the volley, um, a great goal. And I just thought that was, you know, kind of like, I don't know, is it too much to take like, a nice story of redemption out of that. Is that too no, much? I don't meaning? think like, I, I think no, it I don't was think, a nice thing to see thinking about the last time we saw him against Italy. No, so. for sure. I, I would agree with you on that. Um, so the England captain, Harry Kane, we, we thought that he was going to show that uh, him, including the Welsh captain, Gareth Bale and, and some other countries were going to wear the solidarity, uh, rainbow armband, um, on the field during these games. And then it was discovered that uh, FIFA basically told the English FA uh, not to do it. And that if they did it, there was a chance that the referees would book the captains of, of each player. It wasn't just team. the English FA. I mean, what was it? It was seven different nations. Was it Denmark, Belgium? Denmark as well, yeah. Um, the Netherlands. There, I think there were seven countries that were a part of this. And so FIFA are trying to, to clamp down on this. Now, earlier, our colleague, uh, Grant Wall, uh, told the story of how he was detained going into the stadium for the U.S. versus Wales game because he was wearing a rainbow T-shirt. He was told it wasn't allowed. And he was detained and questioned, and after a while, they just let him go with it. So, I mean, it just it just gives you an insight into exactly the, the mindset of of the officials in Qatar uh, Roy Keane had this to say about the decision that the England, Welsh and other countries will probably have to take now um, over the rainbow armband. Did it put England and Wales in a difficult position in the sense they wanted to make the protest, but they didn't want to risk a, a major player potentially being suspended for a knockout game or the third game for something they did in the other? But I think the players could have done it for the first game took the punishment, whatever that might be, Kane, obviously you're risking saying if he's going to get a yellow card, if that was going to be the punishment. But that would have been a great statement. Do it for the first game, if you get your yellow card, what a message that would have been from Kane or Bale. Take your medicine, and then the next game you move on. You don't wear it, because obviously, again, you'd want to be getting suspended. But I think it was a big mistake, I think, both players, particularly, obviously, we're talking about Wales and England here, should have stuck to their guns and done it. Whatever pressure from outside and from their own associations... Have the belief. If that's what you believe. Then go with it. I think uh, I think Roy Keane's right there. Um, I think I think there was a fear of the consequences of wearing it, and uh, ultimately that took, that held sway. And I'm sure the FA in consultation with Gareth Southgate, they probably took the decision away from Harry Kane to wear it. But um, it would have been something if they if, if both Gareth Bale and, and Harry Kane had worn it. But they're in a really tough position. Um, yeah. But, I do agree with the sentiment of what Keane is saying there. Yeah. Um, although, 
So something I'm wondering about with this, like the idea of wearing the armband, obviously it's, it's, it's somewhat about, you know, it's partially about solidarity, showing solidarity. Um, and it's also about, I suppose, would you say, you know, raising some awareness to a certain extent of, yeah, you know, that there are, there are people out there who want to be at this world cup that feel unsafe there. And, you know, so if that's, if that's the idea behind it, I wonder what, like, I almost wonder what raises more awareness. Like if they all, let's say they all wore it. There was no issues, no incidents, no statements, nothing. They just wore the armbands uh, and the, and it kind of came and went. Yeah. Or this where like now this is a major part of the news cycle, which is bringing even more attention to the situation. Um, maybe that's unintended, but I, I just can't help but wonder if, if, you know, these, the nation saying they they want to wear it and then FIFA being pushed to the point where they have to tell them not to, or there will be punishments. If this actually brings even more awareness to the situation, if, 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 it, it if, does, if that but is it, one of the goals that you were hoping to achieve, then I I wonder if you still did manage to achieve it. If enforcing also FIFA win, to go to these lengths, yeah, but it's also a win for FIFA and for um, the Qatari officials in the sense that they got their way, and it just kind of shows that it doesn't feel like a. I mean, I, you're right; they didn't wear them, but in in the court of public opinion, I don't know how anyone could call that a win. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then the other game, obviously, today was Holland and Senegal where, <laughs> true to form, uh, Louis van Gaal picked a rather... Well, I suppose if you look at the team from the goalkeeper to Cody Gakpo um, at playing in, the, uh, playing in behind the, the front two, you're like, okay, all right, team makes sense. And then you've got up front uh, Stephen Bergwijn, uh, partnered by Vincent Janssen. <laughs> And I, I saw a few tweets today saying uh, when Vincent Janssen was substituted that they hope they never see him play for Holland again, which was, um, yeah, which I doubt that will. That I've seen those be tweets gr- before. <laughs> you have seen those tweets before. But uh, Holland prevailed. Uh, they won late on. Uh, good ball from, uh, was it Frankie de Jong? Mm-hmm. Who, cur- who curled in a, a really nice ball onto the head of Cody Gakbo, who flicked it beyond... Edward Mendy, who I am kind of blaming, if you're going to come at that point, you've got to get the ball. You you can't just come and whiff like that and completely miss it. Um, but it was a nice nice little flick down head or a good ball. And uh, and then it was rounded out by former Everton favourite. He was never a favourite at Everton. Davy Klassen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Denmark get off the mark with a solid uh, win. The, the Dutch, Netherlands. Sorry, excuse me, Denmark. The Dutch. Um they get off the mark with the win, which is important. A um, couple of good saves from Nopper too, as well. It's not like Senegal didn't have their moments in the game. They did. And um, they had four shots on target, actually, out of a total of 15. But obviously uh, missing one Sadio Mane. Yep. And, that, and um, that stuff matters. It does matter. Weird atmospheres at some of the grounds today. So at the, the Khalifa Stadium... Uh, I didn't realize that the stands were so far back from the field and just didn't like, I, I look in the concourses and at the seats, a lot of empty seats at every game in this world cup. Now I thought the Welsh national anthem, the way that was belted out was stunning. Yeah. Here the we Welsh go fans, 
Give me give me your Michael Sheen impression. No, 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 no. I mean, Michael Sheen would be proud. How does he speak Welsh again? You do a great impression of that. Come on, boys. That's not Welsh. That's just <laughs> no, but the part accent. where he like he switches over. Um, I have, I have what's it? No, he he kind of just says things like uh, in a very excited Welsh way. But like, I, I find the what... Welsh language interesting. Well, it's and a like... Celtic language, but it's a very very language. Yeah, There's a lot of. But isn't there a and, part uh, in his speech when he starts shouting in in Celtic? Yeah, there is. I can't do that bit. I though. felt like you did an impression of it once, and it it was hilarious to me. But you know what? I'll save yeah. it for later in the tournament, and I'll okay. whip that one. Thank out. you. Uh, but it. it was amazing to hear uh, the Welsh anthem. They absolutely. I mean, in terms of winning the anthems, they certainly did that, uh, and they always do. Um, uh, regardless of what happens on the field, and uh, yeah, just a, a kind of a the first day of real of of real tournament football, and it was nice and everything, and enjoyed some of it. But yeah, I. I to use a, a football cliche, the tournament has yet to be set alight. <laughs> well, what are you waiting for? Oh, probably tomorrow we get to see Messi. That's great. Oh, man. I'm excited about that. Yeah, the tournament really kicks up into high gear. Four games on Tuesday. Um, and uh, away we go. We will be back Tuesday night. We're going to do another one. We're unbelievable. We're just I, animals. I almost don't even know why, but it's happening. So oh, we'll do another one. I mean, we've we've got uh, Argentina uh, taking the field against Saudi Arabia, Denmark, Tunisia, and we got uh, Mexico, Poland as well. Oh, that not you know to what? mention true, actually, and then France. France and Australia. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. So we got another one for you Tuesday night. Like I said, keep those feeds refreshed Tuesday night, and then you know, then we enter the holiday. But we will certainly have for you the YouTube live stream uh, slash podcast on Friday following us and England. So there's, there is so much going on right now, uh, but it's, this is all, I mean, I know you say we haven't, the tournament has yet to be set alight. Is that what you said? But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm into it. I'm certainly into it. Enjoying it uh, as much as you can on a day where you're still disappointed by your team a little bit, Um, but still hope. I don't want to end on a negative. There's still much hope. This was not a total loss, even though that's how it felt afterwards. Um, the U S still has everything to play for. And, uh, and I, I still believe in this team. In fact, in some ways watching them in that first half, I mean, I remember what I was thinking after those friendlies, uh, you know, I remember thinking, Oh no, like, what are we in for? But watching this team in the first half today, I, I really believe that that is a, that's a legitimately good team out there that can do damage. Um, just got to see it take shape. Just got to see on, it materialize. On, on we go. Listen for our own momentum. Wh- what we're doing in this podcast is exactly what the referees are doing, adding way too much extra time. These should be a tight hour, loads of information, get in, get out, because we're doing so many of them. Come on. Um, hmm. Where else can I go here? You're getting, where, mouth, you're getting mouth cramp right now. Where can I meander to? Ugh. What have we not spoken about? Tyler Adams was brilliant. All right, fine. Hey, listen, this we talked about so much. We talked about your mom's affair with Dave Sarakin. Whoa, no one used that word. You danced around it. But no one used that word. Hey, this was fun, my friend. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.